All right, what's up, everyone? It's time to talk about Orange County Soccer Club. Uh, we still have much to talk about the whole fun championship soccer stadium stuff. We saw all the amazing e-comments that were left by soccer fans all across the United States and including many of you right here in Orange County, California. So we'll talk about those. Um, oh, and it was actually a successful weekend on the pitch for Orange County Soccer Club as they came up victorious against one of our arch rivals, uh, Phoenix Rising. So let's go ahead and talk about that. Let's get this thing started. Welcome to the podcast of champions. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. This is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. Follow us on Twitter at OCSC underscore SoccerCast or on Facebook at Orange and Black Soccer Cast. How's it going, Orange County? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, the first and only podcast dedicated to Orange County Soccer Club, its fans, and supporters. I'm your host, Ray Samora, and I'm going to take you through this journey as we discuss all things Orange County Soccer Club. Let's bring in the panel that we have joining us tonight. First, down in San Diego. Oh, no, up in Reno. Which Where are we going first? Let's go back down to San Diego. We'll figure this thing out already. Uh, let's go to San Diego and Mr. Alan Underwood in San Diego. How are we doing, Alan? Uh, doing all right. It's uh, the first week of school with, with, with the little ones, and so... Uh, let's just say I feel like, uh, I have played a extra time match, uh, in like a knockout round where, um, I am just nice and tired, uh, but really excited to talk about this really important win for Orange County, uh, and some, some wonder goals from, you know, the guy who scored wonder goals. The, uh, golden boot leader that scores wonder goals, right? Uh, his boot very I, I, might well be golden by the end of the year. Yes. <laughs> I, I got you right. You thought you were done talking, taking a sip of whatever you have in that mug. Uh, but I, I got you there. Uh, let's head up North and West to Reno and Mr. Brad up in Reno. Um, how are we doing? Mr. Brad doing quite well. I really, I really got teased by Andy there, I guess. Uh, producer Andy, just putting me on the stream and then taking me away, kind of ruining my moment of glory of going first. Um, but I'm doing well. I got a smoked shot of really double shot of uh Glen Moranji 15, so I can't complain. It's some good stuff. So we know what Brad's drinking some sort of smoked whiskey of some sort. Yes, I took a, I took um, a whiskey. Alan, what do you, what do you got in your mug? mug? Um, it looks like coffee, but it's not. You don't want it. Are you hiding it? You don't um, want it's like a look. gin and tonic, it's a gin and tonic, but I like drinking. Out of like coffee mugs, so it looks like I'm on like a morning talk show. All right, this one is a morning talk show. I was about to say that that's a that's a great morning talk show, by the way. Um, Let me say this: I'm actually sort of closer to Brad in my drink of the night. I'm drinking one of BJ's beer of the months, um, and it is called Rockhelles, and it's a German style smoked lager. So um, I got that smoky flavor in my beer. I don't know. I think. 
I know I think Andy or Andy and Alan and probably Brad were all watching when I took my first sip of this. It was a little bit uh, surprising of what the taste was. It was just straight smoky flavor that I was getting, which I'm not used to when I'm drinking a lager. But hey, um, I like to try new things. And after the first couple sips, I think as with any liquor, whether it's beer, hard liquor, wine, after you get a couple sips in, it just tastes good. So that's what I'm going with tonight, uh, a smoky lager. Um, to join with what you got. Um, let's get into the soccer talk here because this is not a uh, a beer or alcohol podcast. This is a soccer. Can I can, podcast I, can I close it on? Can I close it on one uh, comment? Go for it. Okay. Um, you talking about how like your first sip of that and then it kind of like dissipates and oh, I get used to it. It's kind of like a college kid talking about his first beer and he's cringing at the first sip and then he's like, I'll get used to it as he's like crying on the inside. You, right? I, I I probably am crying on the inside as I drink this still, but it it it's tasting Smoked okay. Beers are good I, beers. You, you know what? I, it's part of the beer of the month club. It's like thirty two dollars uh, every two months, and you get um, a four pack of a special canned beer plus a what seven fifty milliliter bottle of another beer. So you get two beers out of it um, for that thirty two dollars every two months. So uh, and and you get a free pizza. Uh, takeout pizza, which is cool. We're not sponsored by BJ's, but it, I, I, it's a pretty good, cool deal. Let's now talk about soccer. We're five minutes in and we haven't even started really talking about what we're here to talk about. That's Orange County Soccer Club. Um, before we get into the Phoenix match, I want to just sort of touch up and sort of get a maybe update of where we are with this whole championship soccer stadium thing. Uh, I know our producer, Andy, located the e-comments. And uh, if you follow him on Twitter, he actually started sharing some of those uh, e-comments that were left on the city agenda. Many of them left that Friday when we first heard, heard the news. Um, our very own Alan Underwood was one of those that left comments. There was just under 100 comments left, and each one of those comments was in support of Orange County Soccer Club and or Cal United uh, and their ability to continue playing at Championship Soccer Stadium. I don't recall one comment that was in support of LA Galaxy's bid to – or. I guess non-bid at this point because LA Galaxy is saying they never wanted exclusivity, but um, nothing in support of that. But I mean, this is, I was reading through the list and I skimmed through it quickly. So I, I apologize if I didn't read any of a specific comments that people were leaving, but uh, a good third of those, if not more, were from fans outside of the Southern California, Orange County area. Like I said, including Alan, there were many comments from uh I, I want to say like the St. Louis uh, soccer fans. Um, I saw some comments from Texas soccer fans. I saw some comments from Florida, from, I want to say Minnesota. Uh, so it was really cool to read through some of those comments. Uh, we will look for uh, the best way to share a link. If you haven't already looked for those uh, or, or if Andy, our producer hasn't already shared, we'll find the best way to share that. So if anyone wants to go and read through all those comments, uh, it'll be easy to read. Maybe what we'll do is we'll post up a quick little uh, article with a link to it on our website so people can read. But again, like we said last week, much uh, appreciation to all of the support that fans have been providing. I know there's still concern, at least from the local fan group, that this isn't over, that this is just sort of a, a first victory in, in what probably will be a prolonged war when this comes. I think, again, leaving the city, city council meeting last week, it seems like this is something that they want to bring back on the agenda in the future. And it was just because of the legality portion of it that they sort of removed it. So um, hopefully uh, we can keep the voice going with this. We can keep everyone, uh, keep this 
top of the the news cycle for USL and for lower division soccer in the United States and make sure that this doesn't sneak up. I I, I would assume this is not going to be able to sneak up anymore because there's going to be a lot of people keeping an eye on this. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. I know uh, I went on and put in a request, um, a document request through the city for any documents pertaining to uh, discussions over championship soccer stadium between any entity that was potentially involved in, in all this cluster mess, including LA Galaxy, AEG, Orange County Soccer Club, Cal United Soccer, James Keston, the owners of Cal United, USL, MLS, so forth and so on. So still have not heard back from the city on that request, but they did say on the website it can take up to 10 days. So we're still within that that time frame, but I'm hoping to that that can help give a little bit of more clarification on who's being honest and who's being a little dishonest when it comes to this whole conversation. Uh, before we move on to the Phoenix Rising match, Alan or Brad, do you have anything you want to throw into that conversation or any additional information you've heard regarding uh, Championship Soccer Stadium and, and this whole mess? Shake of the head, for, no, from Alan. Just, it looks like. Just remember, it'll take it'll take a couple of weeks. Uh, we know the deadline is sometime in November for them to. I think November first is when it auto renews, uh, at least the current contract. So we know that it has to. This conversation will pick up sometime in between now and then. And in, in all honesty, at least from what I heard from sources that are close to LA Galaxy, uh, was. LA Galaxy had some sort of deadline of, I want to say, August 12th to have a, a plan for their stadium, which obviously we're past that at this point. And again, Galaxy came up with that statement just before the city council meeting that um, they never wanted exclusivity and they're working with all parties to try and find a a, a solution that works for everyone and it's a, a sort of a win for everyone is sort of the way they worded it but we'll see how this plays out we'll keep you updated as more comes along um for those of you that haven't really checked out or don't follow our written stuff um larry who's been on our show in the past actually uh wrote up a good little piece on uh on the situation from an orange county fan perspective so if you haven't read that yet go to our website um, ocsepodcast.com and you can check it out it's like the first news article we have on there right now so props to larry for providing that um, and for all the the written stuff content that he's provided for our website let's talk about phoenix rising um you know just off the uh whole city hall thing you know right back into soccer action uh for orange county soccer club as they're hosting phoenix who on the pitches arrival but off the pitch they've become allies in this battle um you know probably one of these matches when you look at preseason or in past seasons this is a marquee matchup for usl championship on the west coast uh interesting fact is it, it sort of became a marquee matchup but not for the reasons that most people would expect it's more of these are two teams that you expected to be in the hunt for playoffs they're both struggling uh so now there's a, a must-win game for these two teams uh in the latter part of the the um season and thanks to a brace by one Milan Alaski, Orange County is able to uh, get a full three points at home against Phoenix in what looked to be a pretty good match for them compared to some other matches we've watched this season. Um, you know, I know part of it, you couldn't see much because of the glare of the sun, but that's just as typical uh, at certain times of the year at championship soccer stadium. 
Alan, I'm going to go to you first. Your thoughts on the match from Orange County and the three points they picked up. How important was this for the team with their hopes? I mean, they're still within playoff contention uh, mathematically. I know it still would be very difficult, but um, this was an important match, right? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I think it's an important match just on the face of rising in Orange County's history, like you mentioned before. Uh, But you know, anytime you're playing somebody who's also fighting for that last playoff spot, uh, it's really important to take points off of them when you can, right? Because that keeps them closer and that keeps them from popping up into that playoff spot. Uh, it also helps with, you know, tiebreakers as well, right? If you're getting a win, those head-to-head matchups could be the difference between 7th and 8th place as, as tight as the West is uh, right now, right? You have less than 10 points from sixth to last and 11 points from fifth to last. So, I mean, that's going to be a huge swing with 10 games left. So this game was, was really big. Um, in the past, this might've been a game to try and get a home playoff match. Uh, and now this game was, I think even more important just to get to the playoffs. Uh, and, you know, Orange County did, did a really good job uh, against Phoenix kind of mucking up the middle. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later about how they kind of broke that down. But going into this match, you know, both teams really wanted to get three points. Phoenix wanted to get three to possibly move to a playoff spot, and Orange County needed three to stay within touching distance. You know, so we've heard probably multiple times. I, I think we've heard more from uh, team president Dan uh, Rutstein um, regarding just sort of the whole situation. And we've heard that really the players are trying to focus strictly on what's going on on the pitch. They're not, uh, you know, getting involved too much with a stadium mess, but Brad, I mean, obviously there, there, there seemed to be a whole different energy from this, this team, uh, the group of players uh, and maybe just energy in the stadium in general uh, because of the whole situation going on as much as the players are probably being left out of the loop. This has to be on their minds, right? And we'll, we'll obviously we'll get a chance to ask one of the players as they come on, um, what the atmosphere was like at the stadium. Uh, but this has to be in the back of their minds. They, they they read the news, right? They're not ignoring this, right, Brad? You know, I actually think the players might be doing a good job kind of ignoring this and focusing on the fact that they're still on the outside and looking in. I know that this is one of those, uh, you know, it's the stadiums on the line type deal, and they might not be there next year, but pretty much all these players on this roster would still find jobs within the league. I I can almost guarantee it. And not saying that their preference isn't to be in orange County. It's right now their, their priority is making it to playoffs because we're still on the outside looking in. Um, And I'm sure they've heard and listened to it. I know that uh, coach Chaplow has shown them, you know, videos of testimonies at city hall, but right now, you know, looking at this game, players that stood up that we haven't said enough of this season are Dylan Powers and Seth Kasipley, both of which are starting to figure out how that midfield starting to should be playing uh, in the, in games now. Uh, but both their assists in that game were pretty quality uh, getting the ball to Milan uh, Dylan Powers chip to get Milan just wide open in the box. You know, it's gotta be something they've been working on in training camp because it was it was almost like picture perfect execution on the field there, so it's just incredible how um, how this team's kind of turned it around. Uh, the one 
the one big mistake and glaring hole is uh, Skendi makes yet another mistake in the back. But this team looked a lot better this week. And especially against, you know, even though they're not as powerhouse as they used to be, this is still a very loaded Phoenix Rising side uh, with some very quality players, a quality goalie. But they're also struggling with the same problems Orange County is, which is closing down and defending at the back end. Uh, let me ask you this, Alan. Uh, Brad brought up one of the players that was a key contributor in this match in, in Dylan Powers. Uh, if, if we look back to last season, the championship run, it all sort of started when Dylan Powers joined the club, you know, got his uh, his legs under him and, and figured out how he fit in with his team. And then the team just started playing really nice. Uh, then in the offseason, he heads out, to, I, be, I believe, to Ireland um, for uh, some play. And comes back to Orange County now midway through this season. And lo and behold, after maybe a few weeks trying to figure out where he's fitting into this new set of players and getting his legs under him, the team is looking a lot more solid, at least in the midfield. Uh, last year, we saw that partnership built up with players like uh, Tommy McCabe. Uh, this year, it looks like Seth Kasipley is one of those players that he maybe is working out some good relationships with in the midfield. Um, is this maybe sort of uh, we, we're going to look back at the season and say, man, if only we would have kept Dylan Powers and had him at the start of the season, this could could have been a different uh, 2022 season for Orange County, right? Yeah, I I think, you know, the easiest answer is, you know, maybe the back line is not nearly as solid. But I I think there's also a feeling around the league that the the midfield has been the really big issue with Orange County, where if you don't have a good quality midfield to kind of stop counterattacks, to counterpress, uh, to kind of muck up the middle and force guys around the outside, um, you're you're not going to be as successful. Um, and, and so to see Orange County kind of play a really good midfield match, like if you look at uh, if you go to the USL website and look at average positions for the for the starting eleven, uh, only Santi Moore is further ahead than the halfway line for for uh, Phoenix. Most of the rest of the team, including their striker, J.J. Williams, his average position was about the halfway line. And this kind of felt what was going on in the match is that they tried to build up through the middle. And Orange County almost put like uh, six guys almost across the halfway line and just denied Phoenix any sort of forward momentum and really kind of and, and really kind of stalled them out. Right. They finished with five shots, one shot on target. Uh, and I think most of those happen. Uh, in the first half. Um, so y- y- when you look at this match, um, yes, Gendy has a little bit of a over-aggressive play uh, that leads to that goal. You know, if he stays back, maybe that goal doesn't happen. Um, but when you're looking at this match, um, yeah, zero shots on target in the second half for Phoenix, three shots total. Uh, this was a really nice defensive effort, uh, and it was really anchored by that mid- midfield, just giving Phoenix Rising zero space to move through it and uh balls got turned over uh, attacks were stopped and they really frustrated phoenix in a way that i don't think i've seen orange county really frustrate a team like uh like that this season um so brad you mentioned some of the key contributors in this match is there any other names that uh, you look at in this uh this match that stand out to you for orange county um, other than, say, a Milan Alaski, a, a Dylan Powers, or Seth Kasipoli? Yeah, uh, Villanueva keeps running, and he's probably got 
some of the most mileage on that pitch. Simple and sweet from Mr. Uh, Brad Polanski there. Um, how surprised were either of you of the result here? I, I don't remember what the predictions. Brad, you, do you have the predictions in front of you? What were our predictions uh, from this match last week? Uh, two seconds. Uh, our predictions of the match last week were uh, 1-1 Allen, 2-2 Brad, 3-3 Dylan, 0-5 Ray. So all of you were were anticipating a draw. Everyone knows when I do my 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 five zero five prediction for the other team winning, it's because I'm trying to get this this good karma going on for Orange County. But none of you had any confidence that Orange County could pull this off at home. Uh, so let me go to you, Alan. What did Orange County do that you didn't anticipate them doing in this match? Uh, shutting down a a, a decently uh, successful attack. Um, I thought the way that Orange County had been playing that. Um, that I mean, Alaski would for sure get a goal, right? That's like almost an automatic at this point, it seems. Uh, but I thought Phoenix would have enough, uh, and it seemed to be that case for the first half, right? Alaski goes down, scores a goal, really nice work goal, uh, I believe. Uh, broke some ankles, sent a guy flying. Um, I'm still not sure if he's back up yet. And then JJ Williams goes down and scores a nice goal, and I was like, all right, this is this is what it's probably going to be. It's going to be. Orange County defending, defending, scoring, and then Phoenix finding a way back in. Uh, but credit to Orange County uh, for finishing off that second half the way they did. And I think, you know, keeping their mind around them, not giving up bad mistakes uh, like we saw on the first goal, uh, just being defensively sound, I, I think was the biggest difference. And uh, that's been a, a little bit lacking at times for Orange County throughout the season as far as kind of seeing out games and seeing out wins. Um, and so it was, it was, it was nice for Orange County to see, uh, maybe not like the, the most, uh, the most excitingly played game for Phoenix. They felt pretty slow and pretty lethargic. Um, but Orange County put them into that position. So credit to them for doing that. And I think that's the difference between not giving up a late equalizer for, for Phoenix. I thought they might have one in them but they just never seem to look comfortable and credit to Orange County for making them uncomfortable. Yeah, let's be honest. Uh, we all were probably sitting there 85 minutes into the match thinking, how does Orange County blunder this one away? You know, we've seen it so many times, and especially against a team like Phoenix who will come back and score an equalizer. Um, all just sitting there being like, there's got to be one more goal in this game. Yeah, that, that, that was uh, probably... That that's the way the season goes, right? Is the final ten minutes of regulation and any extra time as an Orange County fan when it's a one goal or even a two goal um, lead for Orange County, you're still not going to feel confident at that point. Just the way the season has played out, and I think um, I, I think the announcers on, on the match were even discussing um, that that was like nervous time for Orange County fans and talking about um, I believe it was what the Oakland Roots match where Orange County was up by two or up by one and heading into extra time and Oakland roots gets two goals in extra time. Um, just it, it's been that kind of season for orange County. And you could probably look back in most leagues across the world. And you're not going to see teams that just have this much bad luck throughout a season um, in the final, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of a match uh, orange County. It, it's it as much as there was confidence in the final run in last season when the defense was solid and 
the team was just looking like they were just a perfect machine out there. It's like a complete different uh, team this season with the way they're doing it. So uh, the fact that they're able to hold on a- after taking that 2-1 lead, because obviously, right, that that 1-0 lead and then within a couple minutes to give up an equalizer, I mean, you're like, okay, here we go again. This is this is the way Orange County plays. We got the the lead. The fans are excited, and then we we gave up a, an equalizer. What's going to happen here on out? Um, uh, but again, they were able to pull out the two one victory for the full three points. Uh, and now mathematically, they're not at the bottom of the Western Conference anymore. That belongs to um, RGV Toros um, sitting at the bottom, based off I don't know what is it. Uh, goal differential or whatever the tiebreaker is there. But when you look at the standings chart, I think they are sitting below orange County mathematically. I think they're both on the same amount of points. Correct. Um, so um, I believe it's because orange County has uh, beaten them both times they played them. So head to head matchup would be that tiebreaker. So there we go. And orange County is what only seven or something points out of the playoffs. Um, as we speak with how horrible a season it's been to mathematically still be in the playoff line. I know, uh, you know, seven or so points doesn't seem like a, a huge thing when you're just thinking of the numbers, but that means you have to have teams in front of you really drop in matches. Uh, and any team that's ahead of you is statistically been better than you all season. So, well, I mean, the, um, the team that's ahead of you right now is the team that you play next, right? So that's another you know, you're looking at seven points that can very quickly become four. Uh, and then you're looking at, you know, a, a game difference between Vegas. That's doable. Uh, Locomotive is sitting one point in front of them, but with two, you have two games in hand uh, over El, El Paso Locomotive. So there, there's definitely a pathway here where, where seven becomes four becomes two really quickly. Uh, we saw this uh, several years ago mm-hmm. where Orange County dropped points to Tacoma uh, and it's like, oh, there goes the playoffs, and then they just put on a nice little run. You still have, you know, ten games left. If you put on a nice, you know, run of five, six games, you can find yourself uh, very much in contention, just like what Monterey Bay did coming out of the basement, and now they're pushing for a playoff spot. So th- there's still positivity here that if you can go on a, a decent run, um, and, and you have uh, some favorable matchups uh, down the stretch. Uh, to put that together. So you got to get those three points uh, coming up for sure. Yeah. When you had the, uh, the Tacoma uh, match last season, that was a little bit earlier in the season. So maybe you weren't in as much a, a do or die mode as you are sort of at this point of the season. But again, to be mathematically still in that contention um, is, is really good for the team. And hopefully they're hitting that, that stride. Like we saw last season. Um, we'll, we'll talk about the upcoming match here against Las Vegas. Uh, and we'll sort of discuss what we think the club needs to do as far as how many points they need to get uh, the the remaining 10 matches to realistically hit the playoffs. But first, before we do that, we do have a guest that's joining us, so we, I don't want to take up too much of their time, so we'll get them on here. Uh, our guest at this point is going to be uh, current goal leader, goal-scoring leader for the USL Championship uh, and a man who's just coming off a brace uh, at home against uh, rivals Phoenix Rising. That's Mr. Milan Oloski. Uh, Milan, welcome back to the Orange and Black Soccer Cast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, no, thank you for uh, taking some time to join us. Uh, let me ask you the, this question. I, I know you, this is your first season with Orange County, uh, but I'm sure you're well aware of the rivalry between Orange County and Phoenix. Uh, so how um, exciting, how impressive, how uh, good did it feel for you to get the brace and help lead Orange County to the full three points against 
the uh, the rivals from Phoenix? Uh, yeah, it was a big win. They're uh, ahead of us in the table. So, I mean, at this point, it's no secret. We can't really afford to drop any more points, and especially teams ahead of us. You know, we got to we got to do some catching up here to end the season. So it was a big win and, you know, just happy to help the team and, you know, get the goals and yeah. And then obviously getting the win was huge for us. So it can really, you know, give us a real, hopefully a chance of this thing, but big win and hopefully, you know, we can take it from there. Now I, I know the players are sort of staying out of this whole crazy story going on with the stadium and, and some stuff going on with the stadium, but uh, word, word was brought to our attention that uh, coach Richard Chaplo got some uh, video of the city council meeting, uh, a young Charlotte uh, making a, a speech to the city council and word is that he shared it with the the players and showed you guys that video. Do you, did he show you that video or, or do you recall that video? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we always have some sort of team talk on the way out, you know, the last few minutes of the locker room where Rich will come in and, you know, not necessarily say words of encouragement or anything, but just kind of like last talking points. And we didn't really talk about anything this time. The uh, we had the projector out that we usually watch film on and, all he did was say, you know, he said he always talks about playing for, you know, each other, playing for our families, playing for our friends, playing for our, our loved ones. And he said that, you know, something we play for that we don't talk, we don't talk a lot about is we play for the fans. And so all he said was, you know, we're just going to watch this today and this is going to be the last thing. We're not going to talk about the game or anything else. We're not going to talk about, you know, final, really anything. He said, I'm going to leave you this video and show you, you know, the people you play for that, you know, have your back and, it was a great video and it definitely got the group kind of riled up and ready to go. And, you know, we definitely do feel that support from the fans and I know the clubs worked very hard and, you know, gaining that support from, you know, the Orange County community. And you can definitely see that the games me coming in in my first year, but, you know, it's great to see the support from the fans out at the city council meeting. And, you know, it's, it speaks volumes for, to the club and to the community, you know, the importance of Orange County soccer club. So it was a great video and it definitely riled up the group before the match. Uh, l- let me uh, ask you to just sort of take us through that first goal against Phoenix. And that was the one where you uh, got the uh, inside post, uh, a nice uh, shot. But before you got to that point, I think you sort of uh, faked out one of the Phoenix defenders where they sort of fall over. What's going through uh, an, an attacker mind like yourself when, you know, is, is that in slow motion for you when you're, when that's going on in the field, is that all moving in slow motion for you? And cause it looks like you were just calm and composed and just waiting for that exact moment that you can get that shot past uh, the Phoenix goalkeeper in the inside post. How did that all play out? Uh, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just honestly a lot of repetition and being in a situation so many times in my life. I think that, yeah, you have it here, like right here. I'm thinking there's two guys I need to get away from one. And that's, you know, the guy that went, went flying was able to I, get him away from me. And then when I was isolated with the other guy, I knew he was, he's on an Island and I know I'm close enough where, I only really need to take half a step to get a shot off. And I know I can go through his legs, which is what I ended up doing. But if he would have bit harder and I, and I would have had, you know, half a yard to go around him to the back post, I would have done that. But, you know, I'm just uh, right there. I'm just reading what the defender gives me. And if he's staying super tight to me like that, then I know the goalie's blinded and I can go through his legs. I was going to say, it takes some, uh, some strong guts to go a near post on that type of shot. Most players probably, uh, just naturally would go for that bend into the top uh, uh, outside post there. Uh, how how confident were you once that shot came off your foot that that was going to get past the keeper? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough for goalies because they're so close and they're blinded by the defender. You know, I actually, I prefer when I'm in the box and for people to be around and people to be in front of me because I can, you know, kind of use bodies to, to finish where if, you know, you're doing, sometimes for me, it's harder to score when we're just doing like a finishing drill in training and there's no one in front of the goalies because they, 
they can see the shot where like right there, I always know I'm, I'm setting up to be able to come back through his legs or if, or if he doesn't bite on, you know, lunging out to block the shot to go to the back post. And I know I can always just go to the back post. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to just set the defender up in any way. And I kind of just go off what the defender gives me. And I'm not really thinking about, you know, anything else other than just trying to get that half a yard to get my shot off one way or another. Yeah, so um, you have three braces in a row for the past three games, five in the last eight. Uh, what's it going to take to get you a hat trick? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. That's what everyone's messing with me about right now. They're all saying they score three. No, is, I don't is, know. I mean, is the brace the new hat trick? Is that the, the, the line now? Like, no, I, I, I prefer three. Uh, three would be better than two. But, uh, no, we'll see. I mean, I just want to keep going game by game and get one at a time. You know, if I end up getting the hat trick, then great. I'll take a brace if it gets us the win. But if we need three, I'll, I'll go get, I'll go try and get the third and do anything I can. But, yeah, it's a good run of form, so I'm happy with it. But there's always room to improve. I could have gotten three last game. You know, there's always – I could always do more. I could always give more. And so when I go back and watch the film, I don't look at it like, oh, I scored two goals. I played great. I didn't think I really played that well other than the goals. So I always think I could do more and provide more to the team. And then a follow-up on that one with with kind of how well you're playing as I think you're scoring goals that neutrals and even fans of the team you're scoring against have to tip your hat. What's it like playing with that kind of confidence and that kind of support behind you? Yeah, it's great. You know, that's like goes back to the city council thing and all that. You know, it's you know, it's great the support from the fans and you know, it's great when other fans are clapping for you. That's how I know I scored a good goal when, you know, other fans are, you know, DMing me on Twitter or anything, you know, saying like I wish you didn't score, but great goal. Like that's always, you know, a nice feeling. So, uh, yeah, it's it's great. You know, it's a, it's it's a lot of fun. Scoring goals is something I've loved to do since I was, you know, three years old. So, for me, it's the best feeling in the world, and it never gets old. So, I'll, I'm gonna keep doing my best to score more goals and keep getting that feeling. And then beyond scoring goals, uh, there's a question in the comments that says, um, "How does it feel to know you're on pace to set the USL Championship single season record for opponents' ankles broken?" <laughs> uh yeah it's pretty it's a funny one uh oh, it's pretty cool i mean i don't know if that's actually a stat they should keep that but uh that'd be i mean i'm not really necessarily trying to like break people's ankles i'm just trying to you know like i said create like half a yard and sometimes defenders when they're on an island they have to like sell themselves out so it they're really in a bad spot and so once they're in that spot i know i can go either way because like, i can try trust going to my left foot something i've worked hard on and you know i think that defenders when they're on an island with me they don't know whether to force me in or out and then i can kind of you know not play with them but you know really set up that shot so a lot of times they kind of get exposed but it's more just them being in a tough spot out there all right uh milan so you did mention earlier on about uh improving self-improvement and team improvement what I mean, obviously, we're still on the outside looking in, even though the team is looking like in extremely good form right now. What still needs to be worked on as a team to get ourselves back over that playoff line? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's everything, really. I think that, you know, there's never like, going to be a performance where we're like, we're perfect. We can't get any better. I think that even last game, keeping a clean sheet, you know, I think that we need to get back to keeping clean sheets, and that starts from people in the front. And, you know, we're always going to, have opportunities to score goals. We're always going to have chances to create, especially with the full squad that we have now. That's always going to be there. I think that the group's taken initiative over the last few weeks, especially to bunker down defensively and to try and do better. And we're doing everything we can to try and keep clean sheets. And that's been the message again this week that we need to focus more defensively and 
you know, bunker down and be able to suffer sometimes. I watched a lot of the games last year because of Brian, and I noticed, you know, sometimes the team didn't play well, but they never conceded during those periods. And that's a big thing for a team because there's going to be stretches in a match where, you know, it's not going perfect and you need to kind of, you know, you need to reset and you need to be able to sit in a block and not concede. And I feel like we struggled with that throughout the year, but we've gotten better at it. And that's something that we're continuing to try and improve on. Awesome. And then we got uh, one more fan question from uh, this one's from Russell. Uh, he wants to know about uh, One Touch Academy and what his philosophy on helping uh, youth players, uh, developing youth players. What is your philosophy? Yeah, so One Touch Academy is just a uh, it's a basically a private soccer training company that me and my two brothers and my old college roommate who played at UCLA with us that we started. Basically, the idea is for we want to be able to give an opportunity not just to kids, but to other college kids. So pretty soon we're going to be recruiting people to, you know, be able to do private trainings and we'll educate them on how to run a private training session for kids. And it's going to give an opportunity to the college kid to be able to get an experience coaching, which most college soccer players, they want to get involved in coaching. But also, you know, the philosophy that we have is that we all had fun growing up playing soccer. And especially nowadays, it can be taken very serious. And so we want to portray a level of professionalism and be able to give a professional session to someone that we see day in, day out as professional soccer players, because we've all had experience in that field. But we also want to portray a level of fun and be able to go out there with kids and, you know, really make sure that they love the game and make sure that they have a good time. Because a lot of times people get stressed out and they get overdone and they don't want to play anymore. And that's really heartbreaking for someone like me who wants to see kids in the community really be involved. So we all do private training sessions. Most soccer players in the United States run private training sessions. So we thought, why not start a company? And, you know, that really focuses on this. So, yeah, we think that it's a it's a good product that we can try and help people as much as we can, both college soccer players as well as kids who want that, pre- that, that professional or that collegiate level training experience. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, really quick, I have a question for you. Um, Word is that uh, a week or so back, Devin Kerr said that there was no way Milan Oloski will break the single season uh, goal record for the USL championship, which I believe is 25. Uh, you're relatively close to that. And the way that you've been able to, to score uh, multiple goals in games, I mean, it's not an unrealistic number for you to achieve. Uh, then you go out in Phoenix, of course, get that brace. Uh, what are your thoughts? Is, is that a, a, on your mind? Is that something you you think about or... Um, do you not really think about that? And then second follow-up question that is, do you think you can, can get there? Uh, yeah, you know, I like, it's funny because I should probably say like, no, I don't care, you know, but I do care. I'm a forward. I want to score goals. I want to break the record. I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't care. Like I want to go out tomorrow and score as many goals as I can. I want to go out and score five goals if I can tomorrow. Obviously that's not realistic. And you know, my objective is to win the match. And if that means I score three goals, great. If it means I score none, that's awesome. But I'd rather win the match before anything. But is that in my mindset? Of course it is. As a forward, I want to, you know, set the bar as high as I can. And I think I have the ability to go out in every game and score two or three goals. So I think I think that if I take my chances and I continue with this form, I do think it's definitely a high possibility. And it's something that, you know, I'm not like, that's the end-all, be-all for me this season. But it is something that's in the back of my mind. And it's something that I'm definitely – chasing and something that I want to that I want to beat I want to be you know the leading goal scorer in the USL this season I want to break records and you know I think that you know it could etch my name in USL history which is important for me and important for my family and I think that it would be you know a great honor for me 
Yeah, and our producer sort of did some math. Uh, Ten more games of the season. If you can get two goals a, a game, that'll put you well beyond that record. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, follow-up comments on there is, you know, that means we probably at least get into the playoffs, think of the playoffs, which would be pretty amazing. So uh, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, the, the, the way you've shown that you can calmly – get that ball in the box and, and get it past some quality goalkeepers. Uh, that's definitely something that fans are going to be excited to be looking forward to. Um, typically we would ask you, you know, your vet, the vegetable question, but I think you've already been on our show and an- answer that question. Um, if you can recall, so we don't need to ask that question. And by the way, Dylan's not here to ask it anyways. Um, so we won't do that, but um, let me uh, ask you just one random question that we can ask you and then we'll let you on your way. Uh, and that random question is like, if you were to pull out your phone right now or your whatever music pl- used to play music, Spotify or whatever, what song would be the song playing right this moment? Uh, honestly, I don't really play the music. Brian usually plays it when we drive training in the morning or my girlfriend will play it when we're driving together. If I'm in the car alone, I prefer to talk to people. I'd probably whip it out and call someone. That's what I'll All right, do. there we go. Oh, so let me ask you this. That, uh, not trying to get you in trouble. Who has the better uh, taste in music, uh, your girlfriend or Brian? I got to say girlfriend or I'm going to be in trouble here. So (laughs) (laughs) that's a very smart answer uh, there from Milan Olaski. Milan, do you have a message for the fans that will be heading out to championship soccer state? I I believe it's a home game this tomorrow, right? Or am I? Yeah. yeah. It's a home game tomorrow. Any message for the fans? No, I just, I appreciate it. Continue your great support. We definitely appreciate it. We hear you guys there and you know, it's, it's a great privilege to play in front of you and we're going to do everything we can to bring home the three points and, you know, protect, our stadium and you know our, our home fans awesome thank uh, you so much everyone oh go brad yeah sorry uh i had one more uh speaking of shout outs uh i have uh two that i'd like to ask for you to uh contribute for the community here uh the first one is i know that uh certain people within the team say that you are a very uh charitable person is there a certain cause that's near and dear to your heart that you would like to just give a shout out that you'd like to do more work with in your future uh yeah you know for me it's i i'm i've always been a a big kids guy i think that you know i definitely want to be more involved and i try to do it in utah when i was at the real salt lake covid played a big part in that and i wasn't able to but i love getting involved with you know with kids who maybe don't have the you know the abilities to play soccer or to even play any sport you know there's a lot of kids who are very unfortunate and rich talks a lot about it and we definitely as a team recognize it that you know, we have the best jobs on earth. And sometimes kids, you know, don't have the opportunities that we do. So for me, it's giving back to kids that might not have the opportunities that I've been blessed with from my parents. And, you know, that's something that I definitely want to get more involved in as kids in the community and, you know, giving back and being able to be someone that they can look at as, you know, a guy that, yeah, I play professional soccer and it's a great job, but, you know, I also have other parts of my life that are very near and dear to me. And one of them is giving back to like those kids. So, you know, I definitely want to get more involved with them and and see, you know, if, you know, I can make something more like that happen more often. And then I don't know if uh, you were you gave us one last time, but do you have a local business shout out that you'd like to give uh, just any business in the Orange County area that you'd like to just shout out for us fans? to? Oh, uh, yeah. The sandwich spot by my apartment, Mamon. It's amazing. Great sandwiches. It's my favorite sandwich spot. I always go there. Perfect. And I know our producer, um, Andy, will will look that up and try and share the information either on this episode or we'll do it in social media. But uh, uh, Milan, we l- want to let you go because you got to get some rest, be ready for that that important match tomorrow, and hopefully we get another three points and get that much closer to the playoff line. Uh, everyone that is leading goal scorer for Orange County Soccer Club, 
Milan Olaski. Thank you, Milan, for joining us. Uh, and uh, take care and best of luck to you guys tomorrow. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, awesome to hear the the honesty there from Milan, right? Uh, uh, you know, he, he was honest in saying, you know, most players would probably want to say, no, nah, it's all about winning or whatever. But, you know, obviously a, a, a player in his shoes, uh, you know that it's it's within a grasp, right, to to break a record. It has to be in the back of your head. It has to be something you're you're striving for. And obviously, if you could strive for it, but you strive for it within the system, I'm not saying Milan should go and just like, you know, ball hog it and just dribble down the, the the pitch and take every single shot. Right. And we don't see that from Milan. Milan's working within the system. He's getting his passes. He's passing the ball uh, when that opportunity arises. But if within the system, it's an achievable goal, I want the player to, to have that aspiration to achieve that goal. Cause that is just going to be good for the team. Um, if they're doing that that way, um, let me ask you guys this, and then we'll move on to this Las Vegas match really quick. Uh, odds that Milan Olaski, uh, can, uh, actually, it, get or break that goal alan do you think he can do it just yes uh, or no you don't even have to give odds just say yes or no can he or will he i guess is the question i think he can let's go like, okay will he can he yes will he uh, i'll give you like a 50 50 like if i was betting All it right. would probably be like maybe like a five to one odds like good odds but like there's some good defenses that orange county plays down the stretch that might keep him from crossing that line all right brad can he he'd need a hat trick at least in there but will he you know the defenses uh i know alan didn't mention but tampa memphis pittsburgh san diego a second time uh san antonio or sorry a third time at san there's a lot of really good teams coming up and a lot of those teams have not let in a lot of goals this year so I'll, I'll go with this. My prediction will be five nil defense uh, is what I'll say for my prediction on this. And hopefully that works out uh, for the good. Uh, let's talk about quickly about this Las Vegas lights match because we, we, we are running late or deep into the show. Uh, Las Vegas is that one team that is currently sitting in the final spot for the playoffs in the Western conference, seventh place with 33 points. Um, Orange County uh, are sitting at 26 points. So uh, like was mentioned earlier, if they can get the three points here, that brings them that much closer. Uh, you're looking at sitting at 29 points and only being four points out of the playoff spot with nine matches to go. That's definitely a uh, friendlier situation than if you either draw or drop all three points in this match, obviously. Um, what, uh, what do we think? What does uh, Orange County have to do to... I, I, I hate asking this question because I always feel like Allen or someone's going to say score goals and don't give up goals. But what does Orange County have to do against Las Vegas at home to pick up the full three points? Allen. Yeah, so Orange County has never lost at home to Vegas. Um, and so that's something to build off of. Uh, Vegas is one of those teams that's been kind of hit and miss all season. Uh, they've looked really good in some matches and then really terrible in others. Uh, obviously, um, the name Orange County is probably most familiar with is Daniel Chrysostomo uh, or Chrysostomo or whatever different pronunciation people want to pronounce incorrectly or correctly. But um, we he, know because he's been on our show and he gave us the correct pronunciation. Yeah. It's Chrysostomo. Yeah. Uh, he has really come into his own as a really quality midfielder. And so I think this is what's going to boil down again with Orange County is can they muck up the midfield and make it really hard for um, Vegas to counterattack 
and break those counterattacks down. Obviously, Danny Trejo and Cal Jennings uh, have been pretty instrumental on this team as well. So it's really stopping those uh, counterattacks through the middle and then not giving up, um, you know, knucklehead goals uh, to Cal Jennings or Danny Trejo because they can take advantage of uh, mistakes, right? We Trejo has been that kind of um, Milanoloski light this season um, where he can punish teams kind of on his own. And then the other thing to keep an eye on is, is again, another name Orange County is familiar with is Abraham Romero. Uh, when he is on his game, he is really hard to beat. Uh, and he's been playing pretty darn well this season. Uh, and, and, you know, you give him credit where credit's due. So it's kind of that midfield Chrysostomo with Danny Trejo and Cal Jennings. Um, but then if Romero's, you know, standing on his head, Orange County's going to have a tough time getting goals across. And so it's it's limiting the mental mistakes against a pretty good counterattack and then you know, you're going to have to put in a pretty decent shot to beat Romero. And I think that's going to be what Orange County needs. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, it, if Romero is similar to the way he was when he uh, played with Orange County, if we can get fr- get him frustrated, he tends to make a, a few mistakes out there. Hopefully we get the the Abraham Romero from the U.S. Open Cup. Um, if you can recall back where uh, he tried to play the ball and slipped right through his hands into the goal off, I believe, a corner or, or a set piece. So hopefully we get that Romero and not uh, – uh, uh, the amazing goal-stopping Romero that uh, has also been seen throughout the season. Brad, uh, what do we need to see from Orange County to get this victory against your favorite team, Las Vegas Lights? Good, good one there. Uh, yeah, no, not favorite. Um, but where well, that's going to be eventually? That's potentially your hometown team in the future. So the only way I'll ever give money to Las Vegas Lights is to attend games uh, of teams that I'd rather see them lose to. Uh, namely Orange County, but also, you know, if Tampa were to visit again, I know they visited this year, but if they were to come back, I'd love to see some East Coast players come out West. Um, But the one thing that Vegas did extremely well when they beat Orange County last time 3-0 was creating turnovers in the midfield and then being able to capitalize on that. And Orange County has looked better over the last couple weeks in the midfield, but Vegas can go back to that game plan and maybe it can be successful again. So limiting the turnovers in the midfield, uh, exploiting, you know, Vegas's press and allowing the team to, to use that open field. You know, if someone's pressing, there's going to be, there's going to be an open outlet somewhere and it's finding that release valve before, before that press really comes down and then limiting those turnovers. So, if Orange County can do that, uh, the goal is going to be wide open. Uh, Romero's been in good form, but nobody's perfect, especially against uh, Milan Oloski. Awesome. Before we move on, I need to ask any of our uh, viewers that are listening live in the comments. Uh, I need two of you. Each of you just type out a number in the comments. I just want to figure out. Uh, I'm doing an experiment here really quick. So just two of you listening in the comments, type in a number. Um how confident are we that uh, Las Vegas or that Orange County can get this win over Las Vegas, uh, Allen? I mean, if they play the way they played against Phoenix Rising, I think that they have a really good shot at getting uh, three points out of it. Um, I mean, you have a red hot goal scorer uh, that can put the team on his back and, you know, you w- eliminate one Scandi mistake and you have a clean sheet. Uh, so I, I, I feel pretty confident that Orange County can get something out of it. Uh, Vegas has had a, a little blip in their run of form, um, drawing to Atlanta 2, even up 
a man uh, on the road. I'm not super convinced about Vegas uh, uh, on the road. Um, as of late, they've started out pretty hot. So I, I think Orange County has the confidence going into this one that they can they can do some some really good work against them. Perfect. Um, let's do this. Brad, I have a, an official question to ask of you. Did Dylan provide his official prediction for this match to you? <laughs> I was wondering where you're going with that. Uh, I have not seen, heard, or uh, account for any Dylan predictions this week. All right. So the rules of our prediction game is we get to pick his score. And the fans have provided uh, some numbers. I'm going to take the first two numbers and we'll go Orange County score three. Las Vegas scores seven. That's Dylan's official prediction for this match. Um, Alan, what's your prediction for this match? Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 OC. All right. And uh, I, I want to say thanks to Joseph Figueroa and Russell Buto for uh, the prediction numbers there. Uh, Brad, what's your prediction for this match, Orange County versus Vegas? Uh, well, see, I was going to also pick 2-1 to one because, you know, that's just kind of been Orange County's bread and butter. Um, by the way, hey, really I... quick, Brad, before you get predictions, let's get the prediction uh, like sort of standings up on the screen here so we can sort of see how things are looking um, uh, at the moment, uh, and then we can see how this is going. So as we see, Alan's the one in the lead. He's got a pretty strong lead there, and I don't know if Dylan's going to get much out of the prediction unless Vegas gets a win. That'll get some points for Dylan there. Um, so, Brad, you really – yeah, you, you got to go opposite of – you can't do the same thing as Alan if you want any chance of catching up to him. Yeah, that's what I was kind of starting to say. Um, I'm going to go ahead then and change it up and go three to two Orange County. All right. And I'm going to take one. I, I, I already am giving up on this uh, game here, but I'm taking one for the team. I'm going to say five nil Las Vegas so we can get that good karma going and we can see Orange County hopefully um, get a positive result out of this. Uh, props to El Patron de Grayson. Uh, 103 points at this point. Um, Alan, come on. You got to pick up the slack there. We don't want to have to spend money and give away free prizes, do we? Um, but we can see some of the other predictions coming in here. Um, share your predictions so Brad can get those recorded. We can figure out how things go. Um, let's move on to other soccer news, random soccer news. Um, uh, anyone want to go with something before I have my discussion? I, I'm sure you all know where I'm going, but we'll go to you guys first. Um, yeah, there was a wwe match in the uh premier league uh more on that later <laughs> oh, I, I what was a tease gonna, uh brad has there i was also going to say what are liverpool fans going to say when both everton and man united are relegated this season <laughs> oh, oh don't man do that it is everton hey as bad as everton is looking man you is looking ridiculous right now um, yeah, if you want to yeah. watch, if you want to watch a just absolutely ridiculous half of soccer, and I know I, we've lost some people with Premier League talk, but just go watch the first half of Brentford Man United, and just wallow in the Schadenfreude and just the ridiculousness. It was like a, an incredible half of football. And Brad teased sort of where I was going on this, but man, what a what an amazing uh, Sunday match between Chelsea and Tottenham. That led to see uh, some interesting, uh, yeah, it looked like WWE style action there um, at the end. I, I'm going to share, there was actually a pretty funny, although it looked like more Chelsea-esque uh, uh, favoritism, uh, little animated video of uh, the highlights of the match. Uh, and uh, it was pretty funny. It shows uh, Chelsea manager uh, like putting glue on his hand and then going to shake uh, 
Antonio Conte's hand at the end of the match, thus leading to uh, the fun incident that happened there. Uh, but uh, if you didn't watch just the the end of the match live, just watch it. It was it was pretty interesting. Just watch the whole antics between the two managers, and and um, it would be interesting. I, I think uh, even Antonio Conte, uh, there was a moment uh, when Chelsea scored their second goal. That uh, is it, Thomas Tuchel, Tuchel. I don't know how to say his name. I don't really Tuchel. follow the team that much. Go, Alan. Tuchel. Tuchel. Uh, Chelsea scores and Tuchel uh, purposely like runs down the pitch, down the sideline to sort of celebrate by himself right past uh, uh, Antonio Conte. And I I think there's word that if if Conte knew that was happening, probably would have stuck his foot out. And uh, that would have been even more interesting to see. Uh, Amazing thing um, being called, I guess, Battle of the Bridge to, if you recall, back when Leicester City won the Premier League, uh, there was uh, some really uh, heated moments between the two teams uh, Chelsea and Tottenham back then. And this is just sort of another iteration of that, but Hey, Tottenham was able to steal a point from that match. Uh, late header after uh, uh, Christian Romero <laughs> uh, pulled a, a, or yanked a, a little bit of uh Cucurella's hair uh, before a corner kick that led to a Harry Kane header into the goal. Crazy match. Go watch the highlights, see what it is. And I, I'll find the uh, animated clip. That's really hilarious to watch too. To share I mean, that. hair pulling is not specifically outlawed in the laws of the game. So, I mean, it is not. And that's that that's where they said, you know, because it wasn't called on the pitch. If it goes to VAR, VAR can only call it if it was like a, I guess, a really horrible foul. And I guess the hair pull wasn't a really horrible foul um, in the box. So, um, yeah, it, it, it <laughs> there's a lot going on there a lot going on and both sides, there could have been extra cards being shown to players and managers throughout that whole match. So um, it, it happens. That's what, that's what uh, derbies are all about, right? That's what rivalries are all about is, is getting that extra intensity. And you sort of saw that from orange County this past week and the extra intensity on the pitch from the boys in orange to get that, th- those three points over their, their rivals Phoenix. So that was pretty awesome. Uh, random thoughts before but, we wrap things up, before we go oh, on, go I actually do have a uh, one soccer news. Uh, if you want to go see some crazy five minutes, uh, goalie goal, goalie making insane save, uh, go to uh, um, the Sunderland QPR game and uh, QPR's goalie uh, in the EF EFL Championship uh, scores, and then a, a minute later makes this incredible save uh, to rescue a point for uh, Queens Park against uh, Sunderland, which I know some of our listeners are Sunderland fans. So sorry for for bringing up that sore wound uh, right now on a Tuesday evening. I mean, Sunderland till you die and they are actively trying to kill their followers. So I I've actually just started watching. I, I I'm at the, the first episode of season two now uh, watching that show. So I'm way behind the times when it comes to that. Um, but watching that splitting between that one and also the new all or nothing with Arsenal, uh, Bone to pick on that one is why is there sort of no mention of why Arsenal um, with Arsenal Tottenham like game postponement when Arsenal had just sold a bunch of players and had one COVID case and a bunch of injuries and said they couldn't fill the full team. Um, They didn't mention that in one of the latest episodes, which is really crappy. Um, But yeah, um, random thoughts. Let's go to Brad first. Random thought. Yeah. um, I, as priorly documented on many episodes i'm a nerd and i'm looking for more nintendo switch games to play because you know that's kind of something that uh the girlfriend and i enjoy to do um but just price range of like 20 to 
$30 kind of indie game scene. If you have any suggestions, uh, reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is right here in the video feed. There we go. Um, Alan, any random thought from you? Yeah, I uh, turned off some podcasts yesterday on my drive home, and I put on uh, some David Bowie, and I'm going to recommend his 1971 uh, album Hunky Dory. I think uh, it's probably one of his best. It's his er super early Bowie, uh, but it's uh, some really classic Bowie that uh, you should uh, check out if you haven't listened that far back in Bowie's collection. It's a great album. Awesome. And for those of you watching our live stream, a quick clip of that video I was talking about. Uh, again, we'll share the full uh, video. For was that Rick Charleston with the double it. red card? <laughs> no, that's... Uh, I think that uh, is, is it, Richardson. Maybe it is, huh? No, it's the ref. No, it's the ref. It's in the the ref. Game. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we'll share the link. To that whole video. It was pretty darn funny. With that, I'm not going to have a random thought. My random thought was just showing a quick clip of that video. Um, but let's go ahead and wrap things up for Brad, for Alan, uh, our missing Dylan. I don't know where he is, and missing Taylor, and also producer Andy. Oh yeah, thanks to our guest Milan Olaski from Orange County Soccer Club for joining us and, and sharing his thoughts uh, on a whole bunch of things. Uh, and uh, as always, thanks to all the listeners. Uh, this, oh, I'm Ray, and this is the Orange and Black Soccer Cast, and we are out. Oh.